James chapter 1. This morning I spent a long time on explaining to you why I believe it was Jesus, the brother, or James, the brother of Jesus, that uh, uh, was the penman by the Holy Spirit of this great book of James on spiritual maturity, and also that he was a New Testament, independent, uh, uh, Bible-believing pastor, and that it was um, when the church was formed and how the church would operate and what the great uh, duty of a pastor was, and that's to warn and to exhort and to encourage, to be a bishop. Be a pastor. It took a long time on that, and I'll apologize for it, uh, except the people who's in the nursery, uh, because uh, we need to realize that we ought to be a first century church, not a 21st century church. We ought to be a first century church in a 21st century, and that means we need to be New Testament, biblical, New Testament, Baptist, Bible-believing, independent, Baptist church. I'm glad no overseer can push me out of here. I'm glad we're not under a pope, a cardinal, or a penguin, amen, praise God, or anybody, uh, that we're an independent Baptist church, 75% vote gets me out of here anytime you want, want me to leave, and I hope you don't, because I'm sort of used to you, but, uh, that, but we're independent uh, by conviction, and we support missionaries. I wish you'd pray about, uh, I wish you'd pray about the visa situation. Two missionaries from South Africa are going through all kinds of tr trouble trying to get back, and Brother Mark is really concerned about his visa when he goes back in January. It'd be something to raise $100,000 for a youth camp, and then he couldn't go back himself. Wouldn't that be something? That's mixed emotions for me because I'd like to keep my daughter right here, but that's selfish, and uh, she don't want to learn another language because Mark says, well, the next country I have laid on my heart is Indonesia. And, and uh, Amy looked at him and said, not in my lifetime, I'm not learning another language. Amen? And so, praise God, that's the first time I've ever seen her rile up like that. That's good. Anyway, <laughs> you know, see, that language of COSA is hard to learn. Say amen. And thank God for uh, the All-American linebacker Kevin Hall out of our church that gave up a $100,000 scholarship to go to South Africa and learn that clicking language. So help me, the X is in that thing, no, no vowels, and every time they come to an X, they had to click, and that's a tough language. I think it's worse than Chinese, but I don't know Chinese either. I know two languages, hillbilly and English. But, uh, you know, you know I, and I'm, I'm telling you, friend, uh, it's wonderful to have these missionaries go. Now, let me just give you a thing about this camp, and we ought to raise thousands of dollars through this pennies and dimes and nickels and quarters, is that these young people live in a terrible situation. I mean, they live in one, one uh, shanties, I mean, just one bedroom. Uncles live with them and aunts, and it's all these clans put in these uh, terrible situations. And I'll just be honest with you, and I won't be too explicit in mixed company, but these young girls and young men go through terrible, terrible home lives. And so if they can spare them a week or two weeks out of the year to go to a place that's sanctified as a youth camp, it's like heaven to them. And they meet the Lord, and they get a vision. They don't have to live in that, that chaos, that Hades on earth. And they can have a bright sunshine of love and good food and the good Bible and just have a good youth camp. It's a great vision. I'm, I'm pushing it because I've been there, and I've preached there, and I know the situation in South Africa. And uh, I wish you'd pray for our missionaries over there. we got four of them over there, five really. And uh, we've got... Um, a great team. Brother Jeremy Hall used to be A1 uh, Locks. That's all he did was unlock locks. Now he's un 
He's letting the Holy Spirit unlock hearts. Kevin Hall and uh, uh, Mark Coffey, and of course my daughter Amy, and then um, we got Stephen Underwood over there. So we got a lot invested in South Africa. So young people, bring your nickels, your dimes, your dollars, hound your parents like crazy, tell them you want to give an offering, amen. And then the merry maidens will beat the noble knights, but I think the boys will rise again, amen. And I'm rooting for the boys because I don't think the girls are going to do it, amen, not this year. I get them all riled up. That's good. Amen? But uh, it'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun, and I hope that you'll be here for the adult class on creation science. All right, let's stay in awe of the Word of God. I'm going to read through verse uh, 8, and uh, I'll try not to give more introduction and more background and more uh, history, and we'll just get right to the preaching. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall in divers temptation, that takes faith. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and here's the message this morning, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, that means complete, and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth all men liberally, it's the only thing liberal about God, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, not with faith, in faith. I'll explain that in just a minute. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for... The good prayer meeting this morning, or this afternoon in the prayer room, God, to hear those uh, vacation Bible school teachers pray for the touch of God on their life thrilled my heart. Lord, I wouldn't serve a cookie without prayer in this place. I wouldn't try to do anything without saturating it in prayer. And I thank God we have leaders that know how to pray, that seek in your face and looking for changed lives. God, thank you so much. Lord, thank you for that prayer meeting. Now, God, teach us to pray. God, we don't, want to, we don't want to miss it. I think one of the greatest joys on this earth is to see God answer prayer. And so, Lord, teach us how to pray for wisdom when we're so hurt, so perplexed, so disappointed, and maybe even so confused that we don't even know how to pray. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're going to teach us tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I want you to notice in chapter uh, 1 of James, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy, count it all joy when you fall in divers temptations. Now, folks, I want you to see the problems for faith. This book is a book on living by faith. It's a book on maturity. It's a book on our theme for the year, letting Christ be seen in your life. Here's a first century church, and James is preaching to, and teaching these folks is to don't just be uh, doer, uh, hear, hearers of the Word, but be ye doers of the Word, and don't deceive yourself. Don't be a hypocrite, and don't think that you can have your prayers answered if you're not on praying ground. And folks, that's sad that some people pray when they're not praying. Let me get that straight. They think they're praying, but they're not really praying because there's something in their life that's blocking their access to the throne of God and the Holy Spirit 
cannot escort you into the presence of God. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. When we don't even know the will of God, but we know that God knows the will of God. And God knows us better than we know ourselves. If it was up to us, we'd pray for all sunshiny days, a million dollars, and a Mercedes Benz. Praise God. I couldn't keep the thing in insurance, could you? But anyway, uh, and uh, we'd pray for all the blessings of life. We'd never pray for a storm. We'd never pray for a death. We'd never pray for a heartache. We'd never pray for a trial. We'd never pray for a tribulation. But God knows what we need. God knows what it takes. I was thrilled yesterday on visitation. I wish Pete was here. He's homesick. Maybe he's listening by way of radio. Uh, I mean, by, by way of internet. We don't, we're not on radio. Uh, internet, praise God. And um, about a testimony of a person that had a... Uh, Light stroke, and God used all that to uh, bring a devotion in his life, and then prayer, and then he prayed, God, give me a sign of what church you want me to go to, and then here comes Pete and uh, Harold knocking on his door. Amen? Door to door. Praise God. Hadn't had, a, hadn't had anybody knock on his door in uh, six or seven years they lived there, but praise God, door to door got the job done, but it was God sending them as an answer of prayer, amen? And his whole family's sitting here tonight, amen? And they know, they know a lot of people that uh, used to attend this church, like Miss Elsie Hobbs, hallelujah. What a prayer warrior she was. I still miss her, amen? And they know Joanne, so please pray for them. But anyway, um, <laughs> folks, we see it. There's, a, there's, there's the problems for faith. I'm telling you, God wants us to live not by feelings, not by focus, not by finagling. God wants us to live by faith. Amen? We're called believers. Believers. And by that, we, we ought to believe God for great things in our life. And especially in the area of prayer. So I see pleasures in problems. Pleasures in problems? Look at verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. Folks, the Bible tells us that this was a very persecuted church, the first church of Jerusalem. And folks, they were scattered abroad, verse 1. That means they were scattered abroad, Acts chapter 8, but they were scattered and they kept on preaching. They were persecuted, they were drugged through the streets of Lystria, they were boiled in oil, John on the Isle of Patmos, they were fed to the lions, they were, they were, uh, they were uh, sports, in the, in, the, in the theaters of sports, uh, uh, to gladiators to slay. They lived in catacombs. They were homeless. And folks, it wasn't easy being a Christian in those days. Matter of fact, there was intense persecution. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible says in verse um, uh, 11 of Matthew chapter 5, let me read that to you. It says in verse 11, it's, it's, let me get, here it is, yes, amen. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you, and shall all matter of evil against you falsely for my sake. And look at verse 12, Matthew 5, Jesus speaking, Jesus teaching on the, preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. The Bible says Jesus taught them they'd be reviled, they'd be persecuted, and all matter of evil against them falsely. But he said rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Now how's that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. Having faith in God. 
having faith in God, and that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to His purpose. And that purpose is for you to be more like Jesus, Romans 8, 29. That we might be foreordained before the foundation of the world to be like Jesus. Amen? And so we see the, the pleasure in the problems, and we see the reliance for that pleasure. Count it all joy when you fall. You know, it's not easy to rejoice in trouble. But we need faith. We need a whole lot of faith when it comes to trouble. When you rejoice in one's, uh, one's trouble, you're trusting God. Say amen. I mean, you're, you're, you're allowing Him to take that trouble and mix it together and work it together and use it in your life for a blessing and for a, this trial will be an a, a avenue for God to break you and make you and send revival in your life. And that trouble's worth it. That, that sickness is worth it. That uh, uh, emergency was worth it. And sometimes some of the greatest troubles I've ever had, I look back and I think, man, that was the greatest time of my life. And I thought it was the end of the world when I couldn't walk for 11 months. When I lost my scholarship on my senior year at Georgia State University, I thought it was the end of the world. I thought, my word, I can't get through this. And now I look back, and it was one of the greatest turning points in my life. So folks, listen, have faith in God. Rely on Him to count it all joy. And I'm not talking about this charismatic uh, escapism where you say, praise the Lord, somebody just shot me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, praise the Lord, somebody shot me, but praise God, I'm not dead yet. No, praise the Lord, God's going to use this in my life. God's going to take it and mold me and make me and, and, make, and mature me and increase my faith. And then I see not only is there reliance for that pleasure of trouble, but it's reverence in the pleasure of trouble. We're rejoicing in trouble that honors God, knowing that He can take any situation and turn it into something good. Amen? And something glorious for His name's sake. Thank God for Romans 8, 28. That's not some magic wand we weigh before circumstances. It's something we have to grow in and claim and rely upon. And folks, our part in, is trusting the divine wisdom of God. You know, He knows best. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor many years ago in Claxton, Georgia. I was young. I was 25, I guess, maybe 24. I started this church when I was 27. Can you believe that? I ain't going to tell you how old I'm going to be this week. It's already got me wondering where in the world is life gone. But amen, I ain't dead yet. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. When I, when I had the first funeral in that big church down there in Claxton, Georgia, it broke my heart because it was one of my teenagers. It was Brother uh, Sammy Ritchie, who was the youth pastor here, his brother, Danny Ritchie. He was um, uh, just, just an older teenager, really. He was working at Baxley's nuclear plant down in uh, Baxley, Georgia, which is about 45 minutes south of Claxton. And he worked all night, and he was real sleepy. But he, he knew he had an obligation to have the Bible study at Georgia Southern. And he went to that Bible study, and after that Bible study, he was so sleepy, he fell asleep. And when he woke up, he was uh, in the wrong lane, and this family from Virginia was coming up Highway 301, and they both swerved off the off the uh, road, and they hit head on, and they had matching Novas. He had a red one, Sammy had a blue one, 
and it was a birthday present. Her daddy was very wealthy. He was in the air conditioning business. But I'm going to tell you something. In South Georgia, when you're in the air conditioning business, you're in the right business. Amen. And that catching. But I want to tell you something, friend. God help us. I remember that I had to wait all night till daddy got back from a fishing trip. And I met him at the door and said, hey, your son died. It snapped his neck. And he died. And boy, I could see the tears and the weeping. And all the youth were there at 3 o'clock in the morning with me to help console the Ritchie family and console Sam. And we thought it was the end of the world. And I remember that funeral, that my first funeral. The place was packed. There was 900 people at the funeral. They were very popular. They were both split ends for the Pine uh, Crest Baptist, uh, uh, Pine, Pine Wood uh, Christian Academy. They went to a Christian school in the middle of Cla uh, Claxton, Georgia. Really, Belleville, Georgia, outside there. And they were very popular. And I preached... This message, Psalms 18.2, Christ is our high tower. And what it means is this, that God knows the future. And God knows what it will take. And we ought to rejoice in even troubles and trials. And I'm not talking about shouting out because somebody was killed head on. But that we need to realize God can use it. And I want to tell you something, at that funeral, I believe it was 18 teenagers got saved because Sammy Ritchie got killed. But then later on, about five, six days later, the pastor's son, Paul Forsyth Jr., came up to his daddy and said, Daddy, I'm your son. You're a great pastor. I know I've been in church all my life. and You thought I was saved, but I'm really not saved. And the preacher's son got saved as a result of that tragic incident. He might have never got saved if something hadn't shook him up like that. We know all things work together. So we ought to have faith in the divine wisdom that He's the high tower. He, when we're so fogged in, we can't even see the runway. He's in the control tower. and He's got everything in control. We just need to trust Him. That reverence God. That counted all joy, reverence God. It's a still um, composure. It's not falling apart. And I'm, I know it's alright to fall apart. And it's alright to cry. And it's alright to mourn when somebody dies. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to trust God that He can use it. We shouldn't be like the children of Israel as, as they murmured. Look at Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, please. I want you to look at verse 7 through 10 in Exodus chapter 16. The Bible says in verse 8. Let's just read that. Verse 8. Oh, we'll go back to verse 7 while you're finding it. Genesis, Exodus. In the morning then shall you see the glory of the Lord that he heareth your murmuring against the Lord. And what are ye that you are murmuring against us? Moses said, now you're murmuring against us. I'm glad we have a unified church. Everybody's happy. Everybody's on the same page. And I don't know of anybody that's discontent in this whole room. You say, you don't know the half of it. Well, don't tell me. I don't want to know. But look at verse 8. It says, and Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give to you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the, in the morning bread uh, to, the, to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmuring, which ye murmur against him. What are, what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, saying unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmuring. They weren't rejoicing. They were downright complaining. Must have been Baptists. But anyway, look at verse 10. It says this, And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, 
that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Folks, I want to tell you something. God is honored when we don't murmur and complain, but when we trust God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. Then I want you to see the particulars of the problem. Go back to our text real quick. Look at the particulars in the problem. I'm getting to where we can pray for wisdom. But I see the particulars of the problem. Number one, the count of the problems. It says, divers temptation. My brethren, count it all uh, joy when you fall into divers temptation. What in the world does that mean? Folks, that means uh, one after another. Somebody said this. I don't know who came up with it. I think it was my grandmother. She said, trouble comes in threes. I want to tell you something, friend. That's not exactly biblical. It comes in threes times three times three times three. I'm telling you, this world is full of trouble. The Bible says in Job that the world is full of trouble. Born a woman and full of trouble. And folks, I want to tell you something. It hits every area of life. And it hits you sometimes trouble in the area that you never thought it would hit. I mean, your strength is hit with trouble. Never, folks, is trouble over either until we meet Jesus. One day, we'll be away from all this trouble. But until then, we need to rejoice in the Lord. Amen. We need to count the problems as God's circumstances that we don't have to get under, but He's under. Number two, the character of the problems. Temptation. Look at the word temptation. But it also says, knowing this, that the trying your faith worketh patience. Now what is the difference in temptation and, uh, uh, and uh, trials? Well, it's a matter who sends it. The Lord never sends temptation for you to sin. Look at verse 13, James 1. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt ye any man. He's not going to send something to hurt you. He's not going to send something to tempt you and defile you. That's the devil. So te temptation comes from the devil... But trials and tests come from the Lord. And my problem is I want to pass the test, don't you? I wasn't a very good student, but I sure knew how to study. Praise God. And I said when I got out of college, I'll never study again. That was a New Year's resolution. God called me in the ministry, and that's all I do. <laughs> but I thank God, folks. Thank God we can pass the test. And then I see the certainty of problems. In verse 2, it says... It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. When. didn't say if. It said when. And the Bible says in John 16, 33, in this world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Thank God, friend, we're going to have trouble. And we don't have to go around shouting about it, but we need to go, not go around pouting about it either. Christians are whiners. Say amen. I know some winos, don't you? <laughs> I didn't mean winos. I mean, they just whine about everything. Praise God, complain and grumble. And it's not just women. Praise God, you think women are just naggers. Some men can out-nag a woman anytime, any place, and they can out-whine them. You're pitiful. And your, and your wife has to, your mother, your wife has to say, okay, honey, you're going to be all right. Don't quit the church now. Please go back. Amen. Thank God for wives like that. Amen. But I want to tell you something, folks. We should not be whiners. and We shouldn't be complainers. We ought to be prayers. And we ought to have faith. The care to the problem 
is where it comes from, but the certainty of the problem is there. But I want you to see the purpose of the problem. And folks, the purpose of the problem is summed up in this one word. Knowing this, the trying your faith worketh patience. How many need more patience? Well, don't raise your hand and don't pray for it because patience comes through tribulation. Look at it. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. Turn with me, please. I don't hear those Bibles turning. Come on. Romans chapter 5, 3. Look at this. The Bible says this. And not, it says, let's go back to verse 2, Romans 5, 2. By whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein he stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh what? Patience. And patience what? Experience. And experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in the hearts of the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Let me just say this. Christian, the average Joe doesn't notice you when everything's going great. But let things fall apart. Let a funeral come. Let a heartache come. Let a financial reversal come. And I want to tell you something. The world gets out the binoculars. And says, I'm going to watch them fall now. I'm going to watch them pout now. I'm going to watch them manipulate now. They don't even notice you until you go through the valley. But when you're in the valley, is the greatest time to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Count it all joy, knowing the trying of your faith work is patience. And go through that valley with God. And let God be magnified as the one that bears you up. That encourages you. That keeps you going. Most characters measure by what it takes to get you to quit. Not what it gets, gets started. Excitement can get you started. But character means that you're knowing that God is able. And so we see the purpose uh, in the problems. We see the character of the problems. We see the certainty of the problems. But I want to show you the sufficiency of the purpose. It says that it'll make you what? Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Look at it. Knowing this, that the trying your faith worketh patience, and let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now James knew nobody in that church was perfect, or ever will be, except the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect person on this, on this earth. Say amen. But folks, that means, that means uh, fruit bearing. The perfection of an acorn is an oak tree. So if you ever get discouraged, look at a big old oak tree and say, praise God, a that came from a nut. <laughs> Amen. And that will get you encouraged. I told that bad joke this morning, but nobody laughed, so I tried it again. Amen. But anyway, folks, listen. God help us to realize that perfect and entire wanting, lacking nothing, means maturity. It means, folks, we just don't quit. That we keep on being faithful. That we show the world po proof positive evidence that God is still on the throne. Choir, come on up here and sing that. No, not really. We'll do that later. Folks, testing and trying will affect us. But folks, we will realize that it will affect people that's watching us more than it will us. So don't be a stumbling block, be a stepping stone. And then second of all, let me close with this. There's the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. This is great instruction about praying. This is some of the greatest. Chapter 4 is the best, I believe the best chapter on prayer there is. I can't wait to get to chapter 4. But this is about wisdom. Let's don't take it out of context and think it's just a blanket promise for all praying. This is for wisdom. 
And God promised us we could have wisdom if we do this. And that look at verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, take it in context. Now, it's just not just saying wisdom. And we know wisdom is seeing this world through God's eyes, but it's also wisdom is seeing the ways of God. See, the problem with the children of Israel, they didn't understand what God was doing. They didn't understand the test. They didn't understand that they wanted to rely upon God in this wilderness. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of God that giveth all men liberally, and abradeth not, and is not, and shall be given, and it shall be given him. Now, folks, that's a promise. And I want to tell you something. The prompting of this prayer is this: there's a great deficiency that prompts this prayer. You know what it is? We need wisdom. How many need more wisdom? Say amen. We got information. Just Google it. <laughs> Just Google it. But we got information. If you want to know about everybody in the world, just join Facebook or Twitter or Pitter or whatever they are. Amen? And just, just You'll know everything and you'll know too much, just too much information about people. Well, I'm going to lunch now and I'm eating a bologna sandwich with cheese. Who cares? Come on. Like that. <laughs> We got a lot of information, but what we need is wisdom, say amen. Wisdom from God. What is wisdom? It's knowing how, what God's doing, what God's up to. And I'm, folks, I know we can't trace God. I'm not trying to so you figure God out every time a problem takes place. But what you do is you ought to pray for wisdom, not to recant, not to get immature and panic and pout and be pitiful, but to pray, to pray, and pray believing. Uh, Spiro Zodiates, he's dead now, but he was a Greek scholar, lived up here in Chattanooga. He said this, The most difficult thing in the world is, to, is, a, is a correct Christian interpretation of the circumstances, especially trials and troubles of life. That's pretty good. What he's saying is, it's hard sometimes to wonder how in the world we got where we're at and all the difficulties. And folks, it's important to interpret our circumstances correctly for they are being used of God. What do they do? They train us. They teach us. They lead us. And sometimes they correct us. Sometimes chastening. And they're conditioning us sometimes. And they change us sometimes. But there's always for conforming. How many love homemade biscuits? Amen. How many times have you heard that illustration? You'll hear it about five more times, I hope, before I die. Because it's a good illustration. Folks, God knows how to mix it together. But we don't need to get mixed up and try to go to the world and try to go to the philosophy of the world when we have trouble. Thus, we need wisdom to interpret our circumstances properly so we'll know God's purpose. What, God, do you want me to learn from this? How do you want me to mature from this? And folks, some of you have been through some tragedies that I can't imagine. Why did God allow that? And you can shake your fist at God and say, God, I don't like it and, and I'm not going to serve you and I'm going to drop out of church and I'm going to get bitter and I'm going to get sinful. Or you can say, dear God, please give me wisdom. And I really believe in, in uh, just layman's term, it's wisdom not to waste what you're going through. God closes doors. He opens doors. He redirects. I was looking at all those pictures of that that uh, little baby that they're so thrilled about and blind and 
and they're bringing them back over the stage, uh, Brother Nathan and Sister Bethany, and they're so thrilled and so excited. And all they wanted was a girl. But folks, they had three boys. And so God directed they weren't going to have a girl. Praise God. And now they're going over here and rescue Shiloh. 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 I mean, that's Chinese for Shiloh. And, uh, and, and, and this, this, this little girl will have a great life. She'll be an independent, fundamental preacher's kid instead of living in some orphanage over there in China with 15 beds in one room and going blind because they can heal. They, she can be healed in the United States. That was God's plan. That's God's plan for them. And they're thrilled about it. And don't interrupt it, amen? Just pray for them. And folks, God sometimes knows better and He closes doors and opens doors. He redirects, amen? And He, he has you do some things you'd never do because of trouble because of trials, because of lack, because of something that didn't happen. So we need to know God's purpose. And we need to step out by faith and ask Him for wisdom. And then let me just close with this. Here's the petition in the prayer, verse 5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, that's seeing how God works and what He's doing and and, uh, seeing this world through God's eyes, let Him what? Ask. Folks, it didn't say ask Mary. Mary's not going to answer your prayers. When I was down in Peru, they had an immaculate picture of Mary over a casket of Jesus. And the statue of Jesus was eight, six foot long. And I thought to my, and I was in a Catholic church, and I said, Brother Austin, I just feel like letting it rip right now and start singing what can wash away our sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. He said, if you do it, let me out of here first. They'll kill us. Amen. So I was going to let her rip right in the middle of that big cathedral and or he keep a prove. That would have been dumb. Amen. That wouldn't have been appropriate. That would have been risky. But I felt like it because, folks, Mary is not the one you asked. And Jesus is not in the casket. He arose from the dead. And there's no other mediator between us and God than Jesus. He's the only one. Thank God I'm glad I know Jesus. And through Jesus, I can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask for help in the time of need. And my greatest need sometimes is just old-fashioned wisdom. I don't want to quit. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. The heartbreak and heartache over the years has almost made me want to quit. But God gave me wisdom to know He's not finished yet. Folks, we shouldn't ask Washington, D.C. No government's going to solve our problems. Say amen. And I'm thrilled that we have this, this, this space of grace. Don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled we have a conservative uh, Supreme Court judge that believes in life begins at concession. I'm thrilled about that. Brother Cody's thrilled about it. Everybody's thrilled about it. But I want to tell you something, friend. Let me say this. That's not the answer. The president cannot answer your prayers. Folks, it's God. We need to ask God for revival. Let me close with saying this. I see the product of this petition. The Bible says, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. Give, him. give him what? Wisdom. Wisdom. I see the promise. God will give it to you generously. And He's a generous God. There's never lack of God's generosity when it comes to, to your lack of wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom, and He will not uh, upbraid you. He'll not say, you asked ten other times. Hush! I'm tired of you asking. I'm tired of you asking. I already gave you some wisdom. No, he always says, okay, you need wisdom. 
I don't get tired of you asking. And then, folks, he never gets tired of that supplication. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace. God is giving, and it shall be given to you. What a great promise. What is that promise? Wisdom. Wisdom. He said he'd give it to you. And, folks, we need not waste our problems, our trials. We need to ask God for wisdom. And, folks, it's by asking, but it's also by assurance. Look at verse 6. I'll close. But let him ask in faith. Now, folks, Paul, uh, James was saying, you've got to ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavers like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Folks, I'm telling you, it's not, in, it's, it's not uh, uh, with faith, like sprinklings on a, on a cupcake. My grandchildren are here this morning, and they love those tonight. They love those sprinkles on those vanilla cupcakes. Amen. That's not faith. You know, folks, a lot of people like a lot of salt and pepper. They don't eat nothing without a bunch of salt. My wife's like that. I don't eat salt much. Um, but I sure eat a whole lot of butter on a potato. Praise God. Amen. You can't even see the potato for the butter. Hallelujah. But it's not butter on a potato. It's not sprinkles on a cupcake. It's in faith. Folks, what's that mean? God plants faith in your heart to do some things for God that you can never do. And He puts faith in your heart that this is not the end of the story, that you can go on. Some of you have had the spiritual breath knocked out of you. And you wanted to quit. And truth of the matter is, I'm looking at some of you, I thought I'd never see you again. Oh, me of little faith. You're still here. But I want to tell you something, God had to give you some faith. Say amen. I mean, God had to give you some faith because your feelings were shot. You're, you were hurt. Somebody let you down very close to you. And I mean, friend, you just felt like a failure maybe. And you felt like a flop. And you felt like there was no need of going on. And God put faith in your heart. And God put wisdom with that faith. Because in faith, you could ask. Nothing wavering. You know what that means? That means, friend, that you have a, a singleness of heart. You know, the, the Bible says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and you can't get anything being double-minded. That literally means double-souled. The mind, the will, the emotion. That means, friend, you've got one hand holding the world and one hand holding God, and you're asking for wisdom. It won't work. God will not answer your prayers. He will not give you wisdom. You're trying to hold on to the world with one hand, try to hold on to yourself with one hand, and trying to hold on to God. Folks, I want to tell you what, it, what will break the prayer uh, barrier down. What will give you prayers answered. Folks, nothing wavering. Yes. But folks, it's saying you'll be tossed like a, uh, like a wind. Tossed. But let not a man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's why it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, it says, The light of the body is in the eye, if therefore... Thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. We ought to have a singleness of heart, a singleness of mind to have our prayers answered. There ought to be a singleness in determination. This one thing I do, Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. Don't let the past poison the present ruin the future. And then we ought to have a singleness of desire. We ought to have wisdom that's more valuable than gold, 
more valuable than the greatest spoil, wisdom that's more valuable than the sweetest honey. Folks, wisdom should be a, there ought to be a singleness of desire when you pray. There ought to be a singleness of determination. And there ought to be a singleness of devotion. We talk like a Christian when we're in church and then on Monday we cuss like a sailor. God ain't going to answer your prayers. Uh, We walk one way on Sunday and we walk another way on Tuesday. God's not going to answer your prayers. We're holding hands with the rebels on Wednesday and we come to church singing blessed assurance on Sunday. God's not going to answer your prayers. You're a double-minded man. You're a double face. You know, the Bible says uh, that you're unstable in all your ways and, and, and says, let not a man think that he shall receive anything. In other words... We sometimes get two-faced. You know what that word means? Two-faced. We smile at somebody and then we go down the hall and say, you know, I hate that guy. (laughs) I mean, you know, really, I just can't stand him. But I was smiling by faith. I know what you're doing. But folks, I want to tell you something. You'll be unstable in all your ways, but what will really hurt, listen, I'm closing. We've got a meeting. God won't answer your prayers. We need to be real. We need to be right. We need to be holy. The Bible says if you've got all against a brother, get that, get that right because you'll not have your prayers answered. Mark 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 25. He says if you've got all against a brother, he'll not hear you from heaven. And so folks, listen. I thought I'd give a little castle illustration, a little medieval illustration to, to, to illustrate this since we got, I knew we was going to have the castle behind us. But you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We need to love God with all our heart. And we ought to seek God in prayer with all our soul. And we ought to not be double-minded at all. There was a, a story about a knight back in the days of Camelot. And back in the days of these crusades when the, they had knights shining armor and the knights upon the white horses saw a beautiful girl. I was going to have a couple of you men uh, act that out, but we'll wait till Monday if any. And uh, she was a, a vision of loveliness. He rode up to her and he said, Oh, you are the most lovely lady upon the face of the earth. Your beauty is exquisite and without parallel. I desire to have you to be my wife. If you'll but marry me, I will give you my full heart's devotion. He said with his little bloomers sitting on his white horse. I will love you. I will serve you. I will honor you. I'll protect you. I'll be faithful to you. Till death, you are the most lovely of all the ladies, the fairest of fair. Oh, she said, handsome for this promise of love. Thank you for this promise of devotion. Thank you for the promise of faithfulness, she said. But before I say yes, in all honesty, I must tell you, you've got to yet see my sister, who is even more fair, even more lovely, even more desirable than I. Oh, he said, it is impossible. No, she said, my sister is so beautiful, more beautiful than me. You must look at her first. Well, he said, where is she? She said, right over the hill. So the knight on his white horse goes riding over the hill. And he sees the sister. And then he comes back and he says, oh, no, oh, no. She's not nearly so fair as thou art. You're the one I desire. You're the one I want to marry. You are the fairest affair. I will be true to thee. I want thee for my wife. She said, you will not have me. And, he said, and she said, why? And he said, why? He said, you said that I, 
She said that I was the fairest of the fair and you would be true to me till death and at my first suggestion, you rode off to look at another woman. <laughs> Woo! And folks, that's exactly what we do as Christians. That's exactly what we do. We ask God for great prayers and the greatest prayer request we can have. God, give me wisdom not to quit. Wisdom to see you. Wisdom to know that you're working all things together. And then we go off and hold hands with the world and we're double-minded and we try to find some help from the world. And folks, what we need is some firmness besides our faith in our prayer life. We need a single devotion. We need single determination. We need a, not to be double-minded we need to bow in prayer and say, Dear God, I've got a need. And you promised me that you would take care of this need. I need you. And I need wisdom. And I need your help. And I need faith. And I need your strength. And I need your direction. And the Bible promises, promises, He will not scold you. He'll not say no. He'll give it to you liberally. That's the kind of prayer life I want. Let's pray. Father, thank You, dear God, for this passage of Scripture dealing with maturity. And folks, in the first very paragraph, James is led to deal with problems, trials, and promises that God will give us wisdom if we'll not be double-minded and that we'll ask in faith. But God, we know with all our heart that there's no way we can pray our Father which art in heaven until we're your, chi we're your child. And folks, it's just, it's just, Lord, it's just wisdom to be saved. Because we're not going to live on this earth for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. We're going to live somewhere else for eternity. And it's wisdom to not be so invested in this life and forget the next life, eternity. Lord, it's wise to be saved. It's wise to give our heart to Jesus. And it's wise to trust the only wise God who's immortal, invisible, all-powerful, and overall. God help us. God help us to pray with single devotion, single determination, God's singleness of heart, that our whole life can be full of light. Even in the darkest hour, we can trust You with our lives. Lord, please, save someone tonight for Your glory. And God, help some Christian to be saved from quitting and recanting and giving up and living in their own wisdom. 